Hello and welcome to the IIF Global Regulatory Update podcast. I'm Katie Rismanchi, Senior Policy Advisor in the Regulatory Affairs Department at the Institute of International Finance in Washington, D.C. For this episode, I'm delighted to be joined by Emron Islam and Chris Wilson, who are both Senior Financial Sector Experts within the International Monetary Fund, Monetary and Capital Markets Department. In this podcast, we're going to discuss the concept of operational resilience of financial institutions and its relationship to financial stability. We will talk about the work that global institutions, including the IMF, are doing on this important topic and priorities for the future. Please take note that the views aired today are the personal views of the speakers and not necessarily the official views of the IMF. Hi, Emron and Chris. It's lovely to be speaking to you both today. Perhaps you can start by saying a few words about yourselves. Thank you very much, Katie. Um, so I'll kick off. My name is uh, Emran Islam. I work at the International Monetary Fund as way of background. I was previously at the European Central Bank and prior to that, Bank of England, focusing most of my work in supervision of financial market infrastructures and cyber and operational resilience more broadly. Hello, Katie. Uh, my name is Christopher Wilson. I'm a senior financial sector expert with the IMF in the financial regulation and supervision division. And I've been with the fund since 2012. And before that, I was a senior manager at the Australian Prudential Regulation Authority. And since joining the fund, um, I've worked across a a variety of different programs, including financial stability assessment programs, surveillance, and also capacity development. And the last few years, I've been working on both cyber and also fintech. Thanks very much. Wonderful. Thank you both for making the time today. Um, So operational resilience is a relatively new term, but certainly not a new concept for financial institutions. It can be defined as the ability of firms in the financial system to deliver key services and continue to serve the needs of customers through disruptions. Can you say a bit more about operational resilience and particularly how you think it relates to financial stability within markets and globally? Perhaps I can go to you, Emron. Thanks, Kate. It's a it's a very good question. Um, I think the starting premise is probably to define operational resilience as as you did, but maybe I can flesh out a bit more. So we would define operational resilience as the ability of a financial institution to deliver critical operations through disruption. This ability enables a financial institution to identify and protect itself from threats and potential failures respond and adapt to, as well as recover and learn from disruptive events in order to minimize their impact on the delivery of critical operations through disruption. And I think in order to better understand the concept, we need to contextualize a few things. So the world is increasingly interconnected, digitalized, technology-driven, and reliant on technology-based services provided by third parties. So whilst this shift in paradigm has had a positive impact on several levels, they also bring some risks. You know, financial institutions are facing pandemics, cyber incidents, technology failures and or natural disasters, which could cause significant operational failures or wide scale disruptions in financial markets. And the COVID-19 pandemic has also exacerbated these operational risks and increased economic and business uncertainty. You know, cyber threats like ransomware attacks, phishing and so on have spiked. Um, And the potential for operational risk events caused by people 
failed processes and system has increased as a result of greater reliance on um, virtual working arrangements and the increased digitalization. This said, I think the system overall has held up pretty well. But in considering, considering its operational resilience, a financial institution should assume that disruptions will occur and take into account its overall risk appetite and tolerance for disruption. And given the interconnected and digitalized nature of the global ecosystem, a failure in operational resilience will have the potential to impact global financial stability, undermine confidence in the financial markets, and actually cause disruption to the real economy. I think to end, following the global financial crisis of 2007 to 9, reforms of the prudential framework have enhanced the supervision of the global banking system and resulted in a number of structural changes to strengthen banks' financial resilience. But I think we need to focus simultaneously on the financial system's ability to absorb operational risk-related events, such as pandemics, cyber incidents, technology failures, or natural disasters, which could cause significant operational failures or widespread disruption in the financial markets. Yeah, thank you, Amron. And I mean, you, you, you ended there by mentioning the global prudential framework, um, which has been developed for banks at the level of the Basel Committee on Banking Supervision. And operational resilience is now high on the agenda of the global standard setting bodies, including the Basel Committee, who are, we understand at the time of recording, close to finalising a set of global principles to strengthen banks' abilities to withstand operational disruptions. Um, and the Financial Stability Board, which has cyber and operational resilience in its 2021 work program. So perhaps um, uh, Chris can tell us what the IMF is doing on this topic and how it relates to your priorities for 2021 and beyond. Yeah, certainly. So cyber has become more prevalent in the IMF work since 2017, mainly in response to queries from our membership in their efforts to strengthen cyber resilience and the timing coincided with the SWIFT Central Bank of Bangladesh incident. So our objective is to raise awareness of financial stability implications of cyber risk in our member countries and help them to enhance cyber risk regulation and supervision to resist cyber attacks and strengthen their response to and recovery from cyber incidents. Our focus is on the weakest nodes in the global networks, typically low-income countries and other low-capacity financial systems. The main thrust of our work to date has focused on capacity development, you know, to identify strategies to mitigate cyber risks in the financial sector with the intention of promulgating best practices for financial sector regulation and supervision. And really, there are, there are several initiatives that comprise our capacity development efforts. The first are bilateral technical assistance missions. This is a review with the aim of identifying gaps and weaknesses uh, and ways for member countries to enhance their regulatory framework and supervisory processes. The second is capacity building workshops, which we host. We've hosted annual events in December, bringing together supervisors from across our membership to discuss emerging risk management practices. And also we, we host regional workshops as well, which are more targeted across some of our member countries. The third work program as part of capacity development is to help deliver training for supervisors as well as tools that can be used by supervisors, such as materials and publications. And the last is to integrate our efforts on cyber into surveillance activities to identify potential threats to financial stability and priorities for regulation and supervision. 
And ultimately, all these activities are linked to build a community of practices and offer our membership opportunities to discuss and solve common challenges. This also maximizes the value for us. For example, to capture good practices identified during our technical assistance and workshops. Thank you, Chris. And uh, mentioning your workshops there, I know my colleague at the IAF, Martin Bohr, has had the pleasure of speaking on uh, those in the past. Um, and here at the IAF, we've stressed the importance of global alignment on the topic of operational resilience, also of public-private collaboration and cross-sectoral collaboration between different financial sector participants. And we ourselves have hosted three global symposia since 2019 to bring together different authorities and members of the financial industry. And we've been lucky to have uh, you both, Chris and Emron, joining those symposia. So my, my next question is, is how is the IMF engaging with the Basel Committee and other global standard setting bodies on this topic? Indeed, uh, you know, collaboration is vital to the IMF cyber work program. From engaging with national supervisors to understand threats to financial stability and emerging supervisory practices, to sourcing experts to help support the IMF's capacity development efforts, such as technical assistance missions, and also to attending our workshops that you mentioned. The IMF works closely with international standard setting bodies, including the Basel Committee. And the fund is on the Basel Committee, and we participate in several working groups, including the Operation Resilience Working Group, which you noted before uh, last year issued the, the consultation document on operational resilience. One of our main goals when participating in global standard setting bodies is to convey the perspective of the IMF's broad membership that is substantially wider and more diverse than jurisdictions that are typically around the table. And, and this, this collaboration helps encourage convergence in regulatory frameworks, avoiding fragmentation and sharing better supervisory practices. Yeah, thank you, Chris. The IMF really has a unique global perspective, I think, on, on different regions. So maybe you could tell us a bit about what you've observed in terms of the degree of operational resilience maturity in different parts of the world. And do you see um, a difference between advanced and emerging or developing economies? Emron, maybe I could turn to you. Yeah, I mean, this is a good question. I mean, I think at the outset, it's important to note that there is progress across the board. Having said that, I think on, on emerging or developing countries, there is still a lot of work to do. We've noted that emerging and developing countries face additional challenges. So oftentimes, newer technology adoptions reach them even before regulatory and supervisory capabilities are developed. Um, they're still in the process of adopting a lot of the technology that has become a norm in the more advanced countries. There is still some work to do in strengthening their regulatory and supervisory frameworks and also building capacity and expertise in the area of operational and cyber resilience remains a big area of focus. Having said this, there are some good trends. For example, in some cases, emerging and developing countries are actually ahead of the curve in some areas such as e-money technology, or they apply conventional technology systems using age-old uh, mature practices without that additional complexity of integrating you know, legacy technology with more complex, newer technology. Chris, I don't know if, if you want to tackle maybe the advanced countries. Yeah, sure. So, you know, I think, as you mentioned, while our focus has predominantly been on emerging market developing economies, we have had the opportunity to interact with advanced countries. And our sense is that significant progress has been achieved. And that being said, we also recognise the speed at which cyber threat actors 
access more sophisticated tools and are often deployed against financial institutions, making it a continuous process to strengthen risk management. Yeah, thank you both. And I'm happy to hear about some positive trends that you are observing, as well as the, the risks, of course, that we're all always looking out for. Um, I'm interested in turning next to hearing your thoughts on what you think the key operational risks or structural vulnerabilities are that could affect global financial stability and operational resilience in, in the years ahead. This is a very interesting question. Um, so in my view, I think there are three key areas of focus which are potentially structural vulnerabilities. Um, one, institutions being underprepared to manage the ever-evolving cyber risk landscape. Two, um, increasing dependence on third parties, particularly on account of adoption of new technologies and, you know, the consequent third-party risk that comes with that. And, you know, if, given the aforementioned, I would say the level of crisis preparedness um, amongst financial institutions. Let me try and tackle them one at a time. So, firstly, I would say on cyber, increasing digitalization of financial services in combination, you know, with the presence of high value assets and data makes the financial system a real target of choice and vulnerable to cyber incidents and attackers. The high level of interconnectedness across the financial institutions, financial markets and financial market infrastructures, and particularly the, the interdependencies of their IT system constitutes a potential vulnerability because a localized cyber incident could very quickly spread across markets and jurisdictions. And I think for me, this is the key distinctive kind of differentiation between cyber risk and other forms of operational risk. You know, a cyber incident has the potential to crystallize and propagate right through the system at a significantly quicker pace than other types of risk. A major cyber incident has the capacity to be more widespread in its impact than many other shocks, and it's not constrained by geographical boundaries. And in the case of cyber attacks, some threat actors you know, are pursuing a deliberate objective to cause major disruption to the financial system and the real economy. So I think that's one very big potential structural vulnerability. Second, as already noted, there is a higher dependence uh, on third-party providers, for example, cloud providers, you know, fintech providers, and so on. So we are seeing a significant buildup of potential concentration risk. You know, the adoption of new technologies such as cloud computing creates new interdependencies with entities that may actually operate outside the boundaries of regulated financial systems. So while some aspects of these interdependencies you know, contribute to greater resilience, they also present new risks. <clears throat> and I think finally, um, the external landscape is rapidly changing. So, you know, cyber, third-party providers, new technology, climate change, higher interconnectivity and interdependencies, you know, internally, financial institutions rely on legacy technology. And then, you know, we have COVID-19, which has increased the speed of digital transformation. So when you put all of these factors together, I would say a key risk is our inability potentially to prepare for potential disruptive events of extreme but plausible scenarios. So we need to build our capacity to prepare and to respond to any of these complex scenarios. And if we don't, then I think the impact of a major incident can be global. 
That, that's an excellent answer. Thank you so much. And um, you mentioned COVID-19 just now. Um, the pandemic has really highlighted the importance of viewing risk and in infrastructure on a global basis. And it's been a very real and prolonged test of operational resilience. So a question I have is, you know, what lessons do you think we can learn from the pandemic so far? Um, where was the system perhaps stronger than you might have expected? And where were there some weaknesses? Sure, yeah, Katie, I'll, I'll take that one. So, you know, we've mentioned digitization several times this morning and really the pandemic expedited the process of digital transfer, transformation across the financial sector as most financial institutions and, and regulators and supervisors had to work remotely which raised a lot of issues around capacity, uh, issues around new work practices and new technology adoption. And we noted that more agile firms were able to adapt well, whilst many that had large scale legacy technologies had difficulties. For example, as more worked from home and used remote technology and video conferencing platforms, there were major questions around security and also how to adapt business continuity arrangements for the new working infrastructure. Um, you know, the, the pandemic also highlighted our dependencies on the supply chain. And I think Emran mentioned that in his previous view around structural vulnerabilities. For example, many firms that needed to move to remote working had to expedite their purchase of laptops and other such items. And we heard many cases where this was delayed due to issues in the supply chain. So the pandemic has highlighted our dependence on global supply chains. And this has created you know, many complex issues, which can in the end impact our overall operational resilience. The increasing load on firms' IT networks and the rise in remote working, a robust attack-proof network is essential. For example, for many, cloud services reduce IT costs and bolster the efficiency of computing resources. So we noted that there had been a change in tech and business operating models. But in all cases, the pandemic saw an upsurge in cyber attacks. And so maintaining strong cyber resilience with new technology increased endpoints due to remote working that has been a challenge and an area of focus. Um, as well as digital transformation, there's been a workforce transformation. Workers are working in very different circumstances and managing this process has been a big challenge. On the one hand, balancing efficiency, output and workforce health and safety and career progression has been a challenge across the board. And finally, you know, from the perspective of supervisors, uh, conducting, you know, effective supervision by remote means has been a big challenge, and we've had to, uh, to to see those supervisors adapt their supervisory processes accordingly. In all cases, these have been challenges for all parties, and, and we've seen that overall, we have, you know, that that, um, that within the financial sector, there's been a large amount of adaption with time and experience. But one clear lesson is the need for crisis preparedness. We must focus our efforts on this aspect going forward. And there will be a need for a lesson learned review, so we can really be prepared in the most holistic manner going forward. Very true, Chris. And I guess it's important to keep in mind that COVID-19 has been a very specific set of circumstances, but you know, other different but equally challenging ones will, will happen in future. Um, and it's important to be agile in responding to that sort of operational challenge. Um, and so we've talked a lot so far about the operational resilience of financial institutions. Um, I wonder if we could pivot a bit to talking about the resilience of public sector institutions in light of operational events. And a lot of the plumbing in financial markets today is provided by or involves central banks, for example, payment systems, open market operations as part of monetary policy. 
Um, is this something that the IMF analyzes, for example, as part of uh, country surveillance? Oh, Katie, this is a this is a very good question and very close to my heart. As I mentioned, FMIs and central banks are, are kind of my main area of work. So I have a lot to say about this. Um, look, first and foremost, cyber does not differentiate between ownership, public or private. So first, central banks are absolutely the epicenter of the financial system in each country. And they are fundamental to ensure confidence in the system. Now, one of the vital roles of central banks is the operations of the real-time gross settlement system, the RTGS system. And this is critical for the markets to operate smoothly, but it's also a very complex endeavor because the RTGS system will connect participant banks, ancillary systems, and so on, so that they can ensure settlement can take place and so that the market can conduct you know, its most critical functions, such as lending and loan servicing, wholesale funding, capital markets and investment, you know, and payments, clearing, custody and settlement, all of those critical functions. You know, so a disruption to this can have major systemic implications. And, you know, more recently in the last few years and months, we've seen, you know, the impact, for example, outages of Fedwire in the US or Target 2 in Europe or CHAPS in the UK. So in light of this, I think the role of public sector institutions, i.e. central banks, is immense and critical for the confidence of the entire global financial system. So from an IMF perspective, when needed, our bilateral surveillance uh, analyzes these issues. So the IMF also does deeper assessments as part of its FSAP program and capacity development and technical assistance work. We generally look at the systemic aspects, operational resilience capabilities, you know, cyber resilience of central banks, the, the regulatory and supervisory framework, their stress testing capabilities, their approach to doing oversight of financial market infrastructures and so on. But, you know, I think in general, it's very important to note that public sector organizations have an equally important role in ensuring their own operational resilience. This isn't just a private sector thing. So, you know, ensuring that high level of resilience will enable them to discharge their many numerous critical functions for the economy. And hence, at the fund, we place a very strong emphasis on this. Thank you, Imran. That's an excellent insight and, and a really important observation on the equal importance of the operational resilience of public sector institutions and the private sector given sort of the interconnections in the global financial system, which affect the financial services that we all rely on. So I'd like to end this podcast by looking ahead. I'm interested in hearing where you think more should be done to maintain and strengthen the level of, of operational resilience in markets and countries across the world. And I'll, I'll ask you both. Um, perhaps, Emron, I could turn to you first. Sure. Um, so... Katie, I, I would point out in this case um, what I refer to as the three C's, convergence, collaboration, and communication. So first, uh, convergence. You know, financial institutions are global and subject to multiple regulators. So we need to ensure that there is a convergence in regulation and supervision with regards to operational resilience. Because having multiple conflicting regulatory requirements are costly and potentially risky. Two, I would say collaboration. So we need to acknowledge that the, the landscape is complex and is rapidly changing. You know, the risks that are born from this landscape can impact the public and private sectors. 
So we really need to address these challenges together. We need increased collaboration between the public sector, between the private sector, and between the public and private sectors. You know, and finally, communication. You know, I think the challenges that we face are global, and a major disruption or incident can transmit very quickly through the financial and global system. So we need to enhance our communication protocols globally so that we can ensure that we respond to such events in a holistic and coordinated manner. Thank you, Imran. I like that. The three C's is very, very catchy. Um, so Chris, what are your thoughts on this question? Yeah, Katie, I, I think Imran has said it all, and I really like the simplicity of the three C's of convergence, collaboration and, and uh, communication. Um, I'd, I'd only like to, to highlight the point about collaboration particularly between public and private sector participants. And, and from the work that we've done in this space, it's predominantly about supervisors engaging with their regulated entities in a constructive dialogue around priorities to strengthen risk management and governance and working together where, where the incentives are, are aligned. Well, that's an excellent note to end on. At the IAF, we couldn't agree more about the importance of ongoing public-private collaboration and also taking a cross-sectoral view that encompasses different parts of the financial system. Those were in fact two areas we highlighted earlier this year when we released a set of 2021 priorities for strengthening global operational resilience, maturity and financial services. So thank you both so much, Chris and Emron, for sharing these insights today. I've really enjoyed our conversation and hope to see you both soon in DC when that's possible. And we thank everyone for listening to this podcast and hope you all stay safe and healthy. Please consider subscribing to the IIF Global Regulatory Update wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you and goodbye.